0: Radio.
1: and fingers crossed we've got the technology working properly and hopefully on the other end of the line i'm speaking to the one and only woking press officer it's mr john moore john good evening
0: good evening to you gary how uh, are you
1: i'm very well how are you
0: good thank you now i've finished my supper oh
1: that's very good i gave you an extra song there so that you had time to actually finish no, what you were eating of you.
0: i had it playing in the background and just uh... <laughs> Shoveled the rest down.
1: <laughs> okay, lovely. Good stuff. Are you settling down, John, to watch the uh, the Skrill Conference Premier Playoff that's on the telly this evening?
0: I haven't got it on yet. Okay. But um, I'm sure it will appear shortly.
1: Okay, no problem. Are you still basking in the glory of last night's victory, John? Have you, have you got over no, that yet? Are you okay?
0: I have. Do you know what? I thought we should have thought of uh, various sort of police... Um, phrases, <laughs> because we, we failed. We didn't come out with any, did we?
1: No, I, I don't think so, no. I think the only thing we clarified was that you don't need to be uh, a member of the Met Police to play for the Met Police. That's
0: right, but we should have come out with a few more yeah. phrases, I think. I think we
1: should have uh, opened it out to our people on Twitter that were getting in touch with us, John definitely for last night Pablo and Malcolm and all those sort of people I'm sure would have come up Malcolm to would definitely have been up for it <laughs> he certainly would uh, I should just explain for the record for anybody else that's listening that uh, not only is John the, uh, the press officer down at, uh, at Kingfield for Woking Football Club and does a fantastic job in doing that uh, he's also literally uh, my right hand man when I'm commentating on a Woking game for another radio station uh, by being my summariser and my co-commentator uh, and John I'll, I'll just take this opportunity now I know I've said it on text to say thank you for all your help this, this past season it's been it's been an absolute pleasure working with you.
0: Yeah, and you too. We've got the back slapping out of the way. Yes, OK.
1: <laughs> let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Uh, OK then, John. So let's go back a wee bit then. We'll, we'll talk more about the, the season that's just finished and bits and pieces that have gone on within that season. But let's just talk about yourself, your, your role down there as press officer. How did, how did you first get involved as the club? You obviously, you first went down there as a fan. I mean, how long ago are we talking and how did it evolve into being the press officer that you are now?
0: You're talking a long, long time ago. You're talking a time when there were, well, I was going to say three-day weeks and strikes. <laughs> but then people might think it's now. We, no, seriously. Is my it pre decimalisation, John? <laughs> my first Woking game was actually 1978. Wow. An epic FA Cup uh, tie between Woking and Swansea. OK. Uh, and um, Swansea at the time were managed by John Toshak, a Liverpool legend. Yeah, of course. And he would then fetched in quite a lot of ex-Liverpool players, people like Tommy Smith, Ian Callahan, yeah, and... Um, Ray Kennedy? That, uh, yeah. People like and, that? And, you know, Woking managed to draw the away game... Wow. ...at the Vetchfield. Okay. Uh, and uh, so they played them at home. It was in December. And uh, so I went to Kingfield with my dad and with my best friend. Yep. Uh, and we saw Woking play, or I saw Woking play for the first time. And the first thing that struck me was that they had wooden goalposts. <laughs> right. And... Three-quarters of the ground was open. What, what you see now is nothing like how the ground was. Okay. There used to be um, hockey fields, um, where, where, the, uh, where the Chris Lane Centre is. Okay. And then where the KRE is now, that was a cinder bank, a sort of grass bank. And right. I actually stood there with my father yep. uh, and watched the game. And it was a magnificent game, a fantastic game. Woking came ever so close to winning, but didn't quite pull it off. Um, So that was my sort of first introduction. I I then have to say that I'm also a Chelsea fan, so I didn't say anything last night when you were taking the mickey when the goals were going in, but I am actually a Chelsea fan. I was a very big Chelsea fan, um, pre Abramovich, And (laughs) so uh, then I was a student, so I was up in London um, and uh, watching Chelsea play and doing very badly in the old second division. Um, and then I also played football on Saturday and Sundays. And one of the guys, well, a couple of the people I played with, actually went on to play for Woking. Um, a chap called Tim Bazaglo, who yeah. I'm sure any Woking fans will recognise the name. And yeah, rings a bell. A <laughs> chap called, called Justin Horner, who went on to play for Woking. And then Sutton, and he played against um, Coventry when Sutton beat Coventry. Mm. So uh, both Tim and Justin went on to have, obviously, uh, cup glory. And really, I, along with my teammates, we, we sort of rocked up at Kingfield to, to support Tim and Justin. It was, I think, about 86, 1986. Um, and, you know, I just kept sort of trotting along, really. And um, I wasn't, a, you know, an enormous fan by any means. I, I just really went to support them. I, I liked watching grassroots football yeah. um, an awful lot. And that's really how it happened. And then, of course, um, you know, Jeff Chappell was the manager at the time. And, and, you know, subsequently the team just went from strength to strength. Mm. Unfortunately, um, Tim picked up a very, very bad injury and he, he then left Woking. But I, I carried on. Um, and um, clearly it coincided with them having, a, you know, a great period of success. Uh, But as everything is cyclical, as Manchester United fans know now, nothing lasts forever. And then Woking's form dipped quite dramatically, and and they sort of went backwards. And ironically, I went more and more and more. And then, of course, fans forums started, um, and, um, you know, the internet. So I went on the fans forum, uh, called myself Morsey, highly original. (laughs) Yeah, always had quite a lot to say for myself, then got asked to um write a, a match report for the forum which I did and then sort of got more involved doing sort of unofficial match reports and and then um one day in the very dark days of 2009 um I got a call from from the then chairman um asking me if I'd be interested in taking over the club's communications and I I really thought it was sort of one of those Beatles about moments, you know, somebody taking the mickey, really. But right. it was all true. Yeah. Um, and I agreed to do it with my great friend David Holmes. He, he was working at the time, and we, you know, we both had proper jobs, but we both thought, well, if we split the role, then if anything happens, hopefully, you know, we can cover it. So that's basically how I got involved, okay. um, just as a fan. And if you like, we decided in terms of the role itself we would look at it from a fan's point of view. In other words, as fans, what did you want from the club? What did you want by way of communication? And and that's really where we started.
1: Okay. So what does your role entail now, John? What's a typical, you know, a home match day? What's, What's a typical day for you? from arriving at the ground to, to things that you do. Obviously, you, you know, you'd get involved with the, the summarising and the co-commentating once the game kicks off, but what sort of times do, do you get to the ground and, and get the ball rolling, if you like?
0: Well, we generally turn up about um, just a bit before 2 o'clock, because David Holmes, still we still combine the role, even though right. David's retired now, lucky so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, but he's the club photographer, so quite often, and we travel to games together anyway as we're mates. Um, so quite often he has to get there early anyway to photograph the mascot or do something. I then get there early to, um, you know, see what's what in terms of um, making sure that the, um, that the team sheets go out and uh, then quite often meet the press from the opposition. They'll want to know about, not necessarily Woking's players, but how they'll line up, what the formation is. So, you know, you swap, you swap information then, of course, you turn up, or somebody else, <laughs> and um, it's pretty well from then on, you know, the radio. Yeah. Um, generally, we'll talk to Gary Hill before the match. Um, might talk to one or two of the players. Um, and, and then it's, as you know, full on um, until the match ends, and then after the game, it's sorting out interviews uh, for the press, and then I also interview Gary Hill for for the club's website, Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's sort of hanging around, making sure that hopefully everybody's got the interviews that they want, and then home.
1: Yeah, okay, Um, and occasionally, I know John, you you do get a seat on the team coach, don't you, to travel to away games?
0: Very occasionally, I I, I really, I was going to say don't like doing it, that's, that's, Quite wrong, but but I uh, you know I don't want to be seen to be how can I put it a hanger on. No, 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 of course. Um, and also, of course, I don't want to encourage the opposition because they might think, blimey, who's this fifty-year-old bloke getting off the team <laughs> coach? We're in with a big chance today.
1: <laughs> quite possibly, if they look like if it looks like you could be playing in central midfield, John.
0: <laughs> well, indeed,
1: <coughs> the opposition might quite fancy it. What was but your then, position, then John? Then they
0: might think, gosh, if he's in goal, we might struggle to get <laughs> goals past him.
1: What was your position when you were playing, John?
0: Well, I dare I say it was a sort of utility player but I was mainly a centre-half but I could play in midfield or indeed I could even play up front at really time, so uh, yeah, the versatility. centre-half was kind of where I
1: preferred to play. OK. Now, well, Mr McNerney and Mr Sester and Mr Johnson, do they, they have any fears for next season? No, have I you, think they can You think they're safe? <laughs> right. Yeah. OK. Um, so that's your history of, of sort of how you got involved up until now, John. Let's talk about the season that's just finished then. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, I've been at the last couple of games with you and other games throughout the course of the season. And it's been a fairly um, sort of up and down season, I think it's safe to say. You know, we saw fairly poor performances up at Macclesfield, um, you know, disappointing performances at Kidderminster and places like that. I mean, obviously, you know, another commentator has seen far more games than I have, but you've been there for the, I think, maybe one game you've missed during the course of the season.
0: Yeah, not many. No, not, not many. many
1: at all. Home or away, um, which is a fantastic achievement in itself. You know, we spoke on Saturday about the, uh, the, the fantastic performance by the team finishing ninth, and then last night they've got their hands on the Surrey Senior Cup for what we're reliably informed via Twitter is about the 11th time. Is that what? 12th uh, some 12th time, right. Okay, I stand corrected once again. Um, how, how would you sum up the season, John? I've obviously spoken to the players and Gary Hill about his thoughts on the season, and we've chatted about it briefly on air. Now we've got a little bit more time. Where, what were your thoughts on the season?
0: Um, well, I think going into the season, there were high hopes because Woking played very well in their pre-season friendlies. Now, you would think, after all these years of watching Woking, I, I would learn that pre-season friendlies are absolutely no guide to how you're going to perform in the league. Mm. But again, I got hoodwinked, I got taken in, <laughs> I saw BT Sport, Woking to be the dark horses, and I, I genuinely thought that they would do well this mm. season. Of course, the start was not necessarily disastrous, but it wasn't great, no. and um, clearly losing away at all the shot was, was very, very painful. Yep. And of course, what was obvious really to anyone was that Gary Hill hadn't been able to fetch in a striker, um, and this was very much impacting on on performances and Mm. of course you know in our league people may be surprised to know that the transfer window applies as it does to premiership clubs and Mm -hmm. football league clubs so it's very difficult if you miss the window to then start fetching in players and you then have to wait until the the loan window opens effectively two separate windows Mm -hmm. but the transfer window and the loan window so you know, having not got anyone in, Gary Hill was then reliant upon um, trying to find players in the, in the loan market, and that in itself is quite difficult. And you know, again, he struggled really to find the right combination, the right player. Mm. And it wasn't really until he, he 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 fetched in Scott Rendell on loan from Luton that I think, you know, as a fan you began to think, yes, actually, um, you know, we will improve. And I I have to say, obviously, I do know Gary Hill very, very well. Yeah. And I had no doubts that we would be fine. Yeah. Um, I had no doubts that we would not be in the bottom four come the end of the season. But of course, you know, the fans don't know him as I know him. And rightly so, you look at the table, you look at the results, you look at the performances and you think, oh dear, it's going to be a season of struggle here Mm. for Woking. But, as I say, once, really, he fetched in Scott Rendell, Then, of course, he, he fetched in Kieran Murta in midfield. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, he brought in Jack Marriott on loan from Ipswich. And suddenly, you could see the belief start to flow. Suddenly, yeah. the team thought, well, hold on a minute here. Even if we can see the goal, we know that we're capable of getting one back. And, of course, that was another feature, very much, of the early part of the season mm. that Woking were unable to stop conceding early goals Um, and that kept on happening and they were really soft goals as well I remember you know a home game against Welling uh, where they sort of gifted two or three goals and, and you know had an absolute mountain to climb so really I think from about sort of November time things started to improve dramatically there was then that period of inconsistency where working would win a game and lose a game and win a game and lose a game but then of course they went up to Gateshead um, and Gateshead were flying at the time and they put in a tremendous performance and that gave them even more added belief Mm. and I think made them realise that actually um, they were not only able to compete in this league but they were able to beat the sides Mm. in In those sort of top spots. Mm. And of course, you know, the icing on the cake clearly was the away game at Luton. At Luton, yeah. Um, And then they went on a fantastic run, and it was just a shame that they really left themselves too much to do at the end. Mm. It was always a tall order getting into the playoffs. I know you can look at games and say, well, you know, if we'd got a three points at Lincoln rather than one, if we got three points away at Grimsby rather than one. Mm. But you can do that to any game. There are other games where you could say, well, actually, we were quite lucky to win that. Well, exactly, yeah. You know, the great thing for me was that we didn't tail off. Performances didn't tail off. No. And that sort of contrasted a little bit with last season where, you know, Woking did very, very well in their first season back in this league. Um, But towards the end of the season... Again, they had to play a lot of fixtures, and they caught, that, that, those games caught up with them. I remember they got beaten very, very heavily away at Dartford. Yep. I think it was 4-1. And then, of course, like this season, they then went away to Tamworth and were really, really poor. It looked like you know they did have their Speedos on, and they were on the beach. Whereas, as we know this time, yep. they went to Tamworth, and they were absolutely determined that they weren't going to let their standards drop And they were going to beat them. So when you look at the season, you have to say, finishing in ninth spot, a fantastic achievement. But for a poor start, Woking could arguably have made the playoffs. There's Mm. one way of looking at it and saying, well, to finish ninth as a part-time team is a fantastic achievement with a, a small budget. On the other hand, you could look at it and say, well, you've got teams like, say, Halifax, who have made the playoffs. And I really didn't think Halifax were all that special. So there's another part that says, well, maybe, perhaps, with a better start, Woking might possibly have made the playoffs. So it's a difficult one. But, you know, the overall feeling is one of great pride in what the club achieved. And you've only got to look at clubs like Hereford, like Dartford, who last season did very, very well. Hereford finished sixth. Mm. Dartford finished eighth. And, obviously, Hereford were very, very close to being relegated. Dartford were relegated. Relegated, yeah. So, second season, they talk about second season syndrome. syndrome yeah. I think you look at the season, you say, great achievement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to Scott Rendell after the, uh, the game last night, John, as you well know. Um, and he was saying that, uh, you know, firstly, he, he's out of contract now in the summer, but he'd be more than happy to sign. Because he can see the progression of the club. Gary and Steve have obviously signed contracts that take them through to to 2017, so that's another few seasons, you know, with a bit of stability. And he honestly believes that there could be a push for the playoffs or beyond next season.
0: Well, I think you've got to look at the squad at the moment, and I think you've got to say if you could bring in, you know, two or three, perhaps, quality players, hopefully keep the bulk of the squad Mm. that you've got... Then there's absolutely no reason why Woking can't press on next season. Of course, the, you know the difficulty is making sure that you do hold on to um, as many quality players as you can, mm-hmm. um, and you've got to hope too if you bring players in that they quickly um, fit in, fit in, yep. mix in yep. on and off the field, and they add to what you've got. I mean, yep. Gary Hill operates with a you know a small squad really of eighteen. Mm. So it's very, very important. They become a, a, a tight, close-knit unit. Mm. But, you you know, when you look at what Gary Hill's achieved, every season we've improved. The first season he came in, he came in in, I think it was July, sorry, January 2011. We were 13th. Mm. From nowhere, he got us into the playoffs in, in Conference South. Okay, we lost in the semi-final. Obviously, the following season, Woking won the league yep. at a canter first season in conference prem came 12th Mm -hmm. 62 points this season came ninth 68 68 points points, so you can see that every year Woking improve every year there's a feeling that actually we're progressing and I think what was particularly important this season was that certainly from as I say November onwards I felt that when the players went out to play anyone they were confident they could beat them whereas I felt there were times in our first season, mm. for example, away at Wrexham, away at Luton, where we were thinking, gosh, this is maybe a step too far. Yeah. and Woking were perhaps a little intimidated a bit overawed. by the big stadiums, the yeah. big crowd, the names that they were playing. Mm. This season, I felt, as I said before, there was the belief that no matter who was put in front of them, they could beat them. Absolutely. So, you know, if they can keep that mentality next season, who knows?
1: Who knows? Who but knows is, indeed? I think
0: it's important that they try and keep players like Scott Rendell, yep. you know, 17 goals, um, almost irreplaceable. Uh, and of course, then you've got the likes of Josh Payne, mm-hmm. who I thought was fantastic in midfield, in, in my opinion, was Woking's player of the season. Yep. Um he's another player that you would look, if you can, to try and retain. Of course, it's difficult because, as we all know, he he was outstanding in the televised game um, away at Luton. And I'm sure lots of clubs will be looking at him. And, you know, as a player, you only have a short career. You want to do the best you can. It may well be that he feels that he now wants to go to a football league club. I don't know. Yeah. It may be, on the other hand, that he feels that, you know another season or another part season with Gary and Steve will improve him even more. And he, he may decide, yes, I, I like it here, I'm happy, and I'll stay. Yeah. But as I say, until we know who's staying and who isn't, it's obviously very, very difficult really to predict things about next season. But all I will say is that under Gary and Steve, there has been this great progression and the club has changed you know, beyond all recognition in terms of the feeling, I think, between the players and the fans and the management, there is almost a great love affair mm. between um, those different groups.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I think whatever happens during the summer, it's, it's a very exciting time at Kingfield at the moment, and it's going to be a very exciting season when it all kicks off again in August. Um, John, just quickly then, before we go for tonight, I'm sure we could carry on talking for ages, but I'd I better wrap things up just a little bit and do a couple more bits and pieces. Um, just a couple of quick questions for you, one of which you've answered already. Player of the season?
0: Oh, Without a doubt for me, uh, Josh Payne.
1: Okay. Goal of the season?
0: Uh, I would say for me, it would be Jack Marriott um, goal against Hyde, where he got the ball in the penalty area, swivelled and smashed it right into the top corner.
1: OK. Um, and also, I'm going to say uh, performance of the season, but I think I know the answer to this one as well.
0: Definitely the away performance at Luton. One of my all-time Woking highlights.
1: OK. How many times have you watched Jed Soul's goal, John?
0: About 1,000 now. Have you really? <laughs> oh, seriously, <laughs> okay. I know. It's clogging up our sky yeah. plus. My wife keeps saying, why do you keep saving that? And I keep saying, well, because I keep wanting to watch it. And every time anybody comes around, I say, you've got to look at this. You've got to look at this. It's probably worn out now.
1: Absolutely. I've done much the same with many Brentford goals over the years, John. Don't worry about it. It's a (laughs) a football. It's a male football thing. I wouldn't worry one little bit about it. I don't
0: worry about it. To be
1: totally honest. Um, Are you going to switch the TV on now and have a look at the playoff game?
0: Yeah, I am definitely because uh, everyone's gone out. So, uh, I can now hog the
1: sofa. Probably because I know there's football on, John, Probably. so you can just lounge on the sofa.
0: Probably. Relax
1: after a hard day at work and your supper and, uh, and watch the playoff game. John, yes. thank you very much for your time this evening. I'm sorry we have to cut it a little bit short, but uh, I need to wrap it up and move on to a couple of other bits and pieces. Thank you very much for your time. Nice to speak to you again. No problem thank at care. all. Have a fantastic summer and thank no you. doubt see you at Kingfield in, uh, in pre-season or in August. Bye now. All right, take care. Thanks, John. There you go. John Moore, Woking FC press officer, talking to us live down the phone on uh, Surrey Sports Night here on Brooklyn's Radio.
0: Brooklyn's Radio.